And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who loves podcasts as much as we do. Hi, folks. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And you know, it's been a long time since we've talked. And I'm glad you're here, and so is Colonel Jeff. You know, and by the way, just to let you know, we're outside now at Stately Miller Manor. We're recording outside today. Well, for lots of reasons. First of all, but I just want to let you know, you might hear an airplane go by or a doggy come up and lick uh, the colonel's knees or something like that. And I'm not teasing about that. They like that. They're down on the uh, little couches now, but then they get up and come over and sniff and lick. That's normally before you get married. That's something I do. But it's nice to have Ozzy and Maggie be able to do that, too. And I want to let you know that this is our grand finale. We haven't spoken. Good Lord, uh, we haven't done a show in, what, six months, something like that? And you know, folks, there's a reason for that. But we've missed it so much. And Colonel Jeff and I were talking the other day, just a couple of days ago, and said, you know, hey, how about... It's you know still a month or two before Christmas and and uh, Hanukkah and all that. You know what? Why don't we do a well a grand finale show? And well, as we always do, tell the truth, say how much we miss you. So that's what we're doing now. I'm going to miss podcasting so much and the music. I love it. Colonel Jeff loves it. They've been not just a background; they've been a huge part of our show for eleven years. And with that in mind, let's give full credit. That's, of course, the Sean Connery Orchestra and the Viola Smith Dancers featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question in NYPD, if it takes two officers to arrest a guy for impersonating a priest, who gets the collar? Well, you know what? That's a pretty good question. And uh, I think... Well, number one, I think it should be the the officer who doesn't put the cuffs on him, the other guy who's standing there and just says to him, okay, here's something you want to know. I think he should get the collar. Put it on himself, maybe. Wear it to a bar. These aren't things I'd do, obviously. Good question, though, Brad Simpson, boy. You know something I want to thank also on the musical question part of the show We've had folks like also Mike Lucking and Edward Starkman just send in terrific questions. So thank you, Brad. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Edward. Boy, oh boy, you guys were great. And you're a part of the show too. And I also want to send in a big thank you and tip of the hat once again to Michelle Condrat. She painted a fabulous portrait of me, and it's part of my life, part of our house now. And you know something? It's great. Thank you, Michelle. So this is also a tip of the hat. I mentioned Viola Smith and the Viola Smith dancers. A great lady. She was almost 100 or a little over 100 and just passed away. 
in the 1930s, she was uh, officially the fastest female drummer in the world. Now, that's pretty great, isn't it? And oh, she did so much else in show business and then started and had her own band, her own big band, Downbeat Magazine, which is a great magazine, by the way. But they uh, once, you know, teased her about this or that or said, well, we're not crazy about this or that. And she wrote back, uh, finally in a column, she wrote back saying, okay, first of all, could you all just stop dumping on women? Just because what? You don't like an earring I wore? But that was good. She said that. Well, God bless you, Viola. You just take care of yourself. And by Cameo. That's right. I and a lot of fine folks are on Cameo now. Look me up there. It's wonderful. You can pick anything out. And we record things people want us to and say, hey, do this. It's my birthday, my wedding anniversary, or I just retired from this or that. And you send them something personal. Look that up. It's Cameo. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. <laughs> this is one of my favorite jokes. Always has been. It's a good one. See if you like it. Uh, in the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, before they, well, they all just freed everything up. And uh, in the Soviet Union, they used to do a thing. And one day it happened. It was a huge truck just pulls up on a street, in a business street in Moscow. And it, on this day, it was a blizzard. And it, the wind was whipping around, and it was a huge amount of snow coming down. But that's when they pulled this truck up. Whatever it had, you needed. Suddenly, people saw this truck pull up. It's a, two giant trailers, and they just pull up. They don't say anything. They don't do anything. And, you know, like a snap of the fingers, a line forms 10 blocks long. That's the way they did it, and that's the way the people there did it. Didn't matter what they were giving away. You needed it. If you didn't, someone you knew and loved needed it. And nothing happens. No one comes out. In an hour, someone comes out that lifts the lid of the truck there in the back and uh, just says to everyone, okay, folks, listen, uh, we recounted what we have, and uh, there's not enough. All the Jews leave the line. And uh, the, that was the Soviet Union, so he just closes the back, and the Jews shrug and leave the line. Two hours later, same thing happens. The, the back opens up, and the guy comes out again. Folks, I'm so sorry. Uh, we don't have even as much as we thought we had, but uh, non-party members have to leave the line. If you're not a communist, you have to leave the line. Now, the same thing, the people leave the line. Two hours later, he comes out again, just says, uh, you know what? Anyone who hasn't served in a war has to leave the line. And he keeps doing this every two hours, and then just it winds up two old men standing there in their winter coats. And the truck opens once again, and the fella comes out once again and says, uh, Ah, uh, look, guys, I'm sorry, my Tovarish, I'm sorry, fellas, but, uh, you know, this was just a publicity stunt. Turns out we don't have anything, and uh, that's the way it goes. He closes it. The two old fellas, you know, turn around and walk away themselves, and one says to the other, you know what really burns my butt is that the Jews only had to wait online for an hour. <laughs> I love that joke, and it's, 
also has it's one of those that's not only funny, but it has a truth in it. Then they've been standing there, all these folks, what, 12 hours, 14 hours? Did they get cranky about that? No. They don't have these basic supplies, things to live with. Did they get mad about that? No. They have to wait in the snow. They're mad about that? No. They're not mad about nothing. But the Jews, that's what they remember and get mad about. Anyway, I like that joke very much. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show, The Poetry Corner. I have loved that music the whole way. And uh, we checked. I think that guy still has that cough. And that's a heck of a thing. 11 years. He did. <laughs> but uh, you know what? This is a great poem. I don't think I've ever read this one on the air, or in this case, recited it. Remember, we're out back and I couldn't find my Robert Frost book. But that's what it is, a Robert Frost poem. A great poet, a great fella. And uh, I know this one by heart. It's called O Star. O star, the fairest one in sight, we grant your loftiness the right to some obscurity of cloud. It will not do to say of night, since dark is what brings out your light. Some mystery becomes the proud, but to be wholly taciturn in your reserve is not allowed. Say something to us we can learn by heart, and when alone, repeat. Say something. And he says, I burn. But say with what degree of heat. Talk Fahrenheit. Talk centigrade. Use language we can comprehend. Tell us what elements you blend. It gives us strangely little aid, but does tell something in the end. As steadfast as Keats' Eremite, not even stooping from its sphere, it asks a little of us here. It asks of us a certain height. So when at times the mob is swayed to carry praise or blame too far, we may choose something like a star to stay our minds on and be stayed. Isn't that beautiful? It always moved me. And, by the way, I sang that in uh, District Chorus. There were three high schools in our school district on Long Island, and uh, I was in... Well, they had the uh, orchestra and the band and the chorus, the choir, and I was in all three and got to sing that, then got to tell you. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show, Magic Movie Moment. Oh, yes, and this one, by the way, uh, I mentioned earlier as the orchestra leader, 
the great Sean Connery. I know that, and you know that he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Boy, that fella. I, I saw, I was shopping the other day, and I saw a Life magazine book, one of those paperback books that shiny covers. And they're, I'll write one right on the front. There's Sean Connery. And it's a, one of those, well, great photos. He's just looking at the camera in the tuxedo and the bow tie with the gun in his right hand sort of held lightly leaning on his face. And he's looking right in the camera. And you want to say again, why the heck not? Come on. Look at that guy. What movie people ever said, you know, well, we're looking for someone who's tough and very affectionate and really charming and just could lead the world. You hold up that photo. There's your guy. Let's go home. Let's go to lunch. We're done with that. Yeah, just short. You know what? Forget the others. Put a sock in it. Shut your mouth and let's and let's go to grab lunch. The guy we're choosing is Sean Connery. Well, it's the guy I choose to. I do love those movies and him as Bond. He is James Bond. I always had well a great affection for. Well, I always loved Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, George Lazenby. So many great actors, Pierce Brosnan, who played great characters and great great James Bond characters. But you want to say, uh, so who's James Bond? Come on, it's Sean Connery. With affection, I want to say, stop it. Just stop it. Again, you look at one of these pictures. Come on, it's, it's Sean Connery. In Dr. No, that was the first James Bond movie. Not just that he was in the first James Bond movie. And... In the first scene, they always did. In his movies, they did the best first scenes. No one seems to be able to do that. And there he is in a, well, a gambling casino, the Riviera, France, somewhere. And he's at the table playing Chemin de Fer. And he's playing against, it's him, against the Countess. And she's in a red gown. And uh, she says her name. And she says, and your name. And that's the first time we hear... He has an unlit cigarette in his mouth, and he looks back and says, Bond, and lights the cigarette, and then James Bond. Now, come on, that's another, come on. All the other Bond actors have said, and they were correct. They said they used to practice trying to, how do you say that? Well, I love them all, but no, they didn't and, and couldn't. And even Daniel Craig, who's such a great actor, that Bond light the cigarette, James Bond, come on. And later, you know, very shortly later, they, uh, they, he goes up to his room and the countess is in there. And why wouldn't she be? Come on. Heck, I'd be in there just to put a chocolate on the pillow. But still, you know, he's there with the countess. And then he gets the message, of course, from uh, M at headquarters. And he's got a mission and it's to catch Dr. No. Great actor there. Oh, Joseph Wiseman. Oh, God bless James Bond. And Dr. No is wonderful. Come on. And that's when we first meet Miss Money Penny. And they have that teasing they do together. And she was always so elegant and aristocratic. And yes, she wanted to go on a date with him. And he could do anything with that smile. He flipped that hat across the room right onto the hat rack. Come on! Jack Lord was Felix Leiter in that and played it just right. He didn't, he's not trying to fight James Bond, argue with him. He's just, he's Felix Leiter, the head of the CIA. Come on! 
I just have to say, what, a thousand times? Ursula Andrus, Ursula Andrus, Ursula Andrus. They have many, many. That was a big news item, by the way, when the new Bond girl would come out for the next movie, whatever that was. The great Halle Berry played that wonderful character, and she came out of the ocean, too, in an orange bikini, swaying a, a bit, and she's fabulous. But no, you want to say, Ursula Andrus, come on. She comes out of the ocean there and says, hello, who are you? Come on. I've already said, but it is magic to me. The first time a great actor said Bond, James Bond. Now, I'm not impersonating him. I couldn't do that and wouldn't do that. I guess I did. God bless you, Sean Connery. And God bless Bond, James Bond. And that brings me to my Uncle Arnie. I've been talking about him, well, every year. I've been telling this story, which is true, about getting Christmas and Hanukkah gifts for everyone on my list and friends and family. And uh, God bless him, Arnie passed away this year. And he was uh, 94. Quite a guy. I loved him very much. There are always people in your family, and uh, you always say, I wish I had been a better nephew, I wish I had been a better cousin, I wish I had been a better this or that. But Uncle Arnie, God bless you. And this is a true story, and we've Colonel Jeff and I have made it a tradition to tell this every year as we get a little closer to Christmas. And it's the true story of getting gifts for friends and family and loved ones. It was about, well, near the end of November, and I was working north in the valley here, but I saw a new mall had opened up. I was coming back from work that day on the set, and I saw this mall, and I thought, you know what? It just struck me. Why don't I go in there? It's, it's a new mall. They've got to have nice gifts, and I've never done that before. And I'm not the best gift giver. I don't know about you, but I can never remember this or that. And I walked into that mall, and it was a nice place to walk down. Oh, boy, it wasn't full because it was a brand-new mall. And at the end, at the very end of that mall, there was a new store. And they had blank stores on either side of them because people hadn't bought anything yet there and made their own store. And this was a music box store. Now, it's not something you see every day, but I thought, music box, how do you like that? Well, that's something. And I went in there, and I just realized, I looked in my pocket just before I got in, I had made a list with addresses and zip codes and phone numbers of everyone I wanted to get a gift. And I, I was thrilled. And there were 17 items, 17 gifts you wanted to give out, and I Realizing music boxes. I walked in there. It's empty. But there was a very nice fella uh, from India, and he was happy to see me. He was thrilled to see me because there was no one in the mall. He loved his new store. And I said to him, I've got this list of relatives and friends, and I want to get gifts. Do something I've never done. I want to get to them all Christmas and Hanukkah gifts, and I, I just want to go clean and... Uh, he said, what is that? Go clean? And I said, yeah, go clean. That was always my phrase with my friends. 
to go clean. You get clean. You don't have anything hanging on your shoes. You're clean. You've done all the gifts. You sent it off. You're clean. And that's what I wanted to do. I said, I want to go clean. First of all, his eyes lit up because he realized that who couldn't go clean in a music box store? And he said to me with a smile and bright eyes, he said, I can make you clean. And I said, let's go. We went around. He must have had, that was not a bit, wasn't a huge store. So he said, for a gift, who is dirty you want to make clean? And he was a very nice fellow and obviously just took to using things like that. I said, okay, first of all, uh, the Hamiltons in uh, Connecticut, they got three kids and now they have four, by the way. And uh, he said, tell me about the, the, the Hamiltons. And I said, okay, here we go. And I've got for Marsha, the wife, God bless her, she's passed on now too. She got sick, but she, oh, she was beautiful and a great wife and mother. Both of them, Pete and Marsha, by golly. I remember she was always so funny too. She had a, I was flying on a plane going cross country to something. And she asked her, how are you going to fly? First class or coach? And I said, well, it's for a movie part. So they always give you first class. And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's great, boy. And she said, uh, nothing more depressing than walking on a plane and turning right. <laughs> she was just funny. And uh, at any rate, I said, I described her, oh, where they lived and what a great cook and house. And he said, what's that about? He showed me one, took me over. It was great. It was perfect. It was elegant. It was great. I said, yes, I'll take that. And they were all, I, that was one of those days. I didn't even ask what the price was. They were all $120 or $150, something like that. I said, yes. And when I said yes, he almost gasped. He was so happy. <gasps> Yes, okay, and he took that out, and he put it on the counter up front. And he said at that point, he called his family in. The family had, oh, he had uh, four or five kids and his wife, and they were also just so happy, such nice people. And they were going to take care of the gifts and start to pack them and wrap them. And he said, who does? And I told him about uh, uh, Hamilton, my, my friend Pete Hamilton. And... Uh, I said, yes, he does this. He said, well, he's a bond trader, but he can do this. He can make sure this happens. And he said, yes, yes, yes. And he took me right to something else. So I looked at it, you know, looked around, picked it up, opened it up. I said, yes, let's go next. And he said, yes. And uh, we went around, folks, to the Hamilton's kids. We went around to all my relatives. Oh, well, everybody, friends from school, all 17. And it didn't take that long. It was about 45 minutes. I mean, you'd think it would take far longer than that, but his stuff was great. These were things that he made. And now we took them all up front, and they were on the counter there in a big assembly line, and his family was packing them up and taking forms out and filling things out. And we did it all. Addresses, correct. Names, perfect. We did it. And he looked at me now and uh, he, with a big smile, he was behind the counter and he said, you are clean. And I said, you know what? I am. 
I wanted to go clean, and you got me clean. And, uh, and his family laughed happily. They were so happy that I'd come in. Well, this guy deserved it. And I was so happy, too. They were thrilled. And he said, you clean, clean, clean. And uh, folks, I'm telling you, then I just said, I was so full of energy. I, I should, shouldn't have even said anything. I said, your work is so good. It's just all beautiful and perfect. I, I wish I w we could get something for Uncle Arnie, but we can't. So, yes, I'll, I'll figure something out. His face dropped. And he said, what? You What? Who? What? I said, I, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry I even said anything. My Uncle Arnie, great guy. He's a soldier and uh, he fought in World War II. And, you know, in the Spanish Civil War before that. And, oh, great artist. And uh, he was an oil painter and with charcoals. And then he also taught art in New York. And uh, the guy said, wait, wait, wait. And he took me around again looking for things. And he couldn't find one. There was nothing there for Uncle Arnie. What do you do for a guy who's fought in World War II and is a great artist? And, and he says, wait, wait. And we looked around for another, well, 10, 15 minutes in his store. And I, I looked at him and I just said, you know, I'm so glad you and I met and you did a great job here. And I don't think we can do a great gift for Uncle Arnie. He was heartbroken. His face dropped. And I said, I held him by the shoulders, I remember. I just, you know, we were two feet apart. And I put my hands on his shoulders and I said, it's wonderful to know you. Thank you very much. And you know what? Every gift is perfect. And he, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, he didn't want me to leave, but I did. I left. I was, I said to the family behind the counter, I said, thank you very much. But they knew also, heartbroken, all of them. And the wife was, no, no, no. And I smiled. I put my hand on my heart and I left the store. And I was sorry to do it, but I, I couldn't. We, we, what could you do for Uncle Arnie? And I walked back all the way down the brand new mall there. And I was passing uh, a supermarket. And uh, as uh, I'm passing, I heard feet behind me with that doing that slap, tap, 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 tap. And I turned around and it was him. It was the guy from the store. And I, I looked at him and smiled. And he, he said, does he drink coffee? And I said to him, I, I smiled and I said, how does that help you? I, I appreciate that you're trying so hard here. That's what he had gotten this idea. Does he drink coffee? We could get him some coffee and he could send that. Not even made into a music box, by the way. Just a bag of coffee, anything. And I said, we can't. I love you. Be well. And you know what? Have a great holiday yourself. And I went to the parking lot and walked out. But you know what? Turns out, God bless him, well, Uncle Arnie did drink coffee. That wouldn't have been the right gift. I can't even remember what I got him. But it made a fine story for you. I told it on the air. And then... Colonel Jeff and I said to each other, you know what, a little later in the year, why don't we make that a yearly story? 
about Uncle Arnie and about that nice man and his family way at the end of a brand new mall. Folks, this has been uh, a magical moment. 11 years, and I have also something of a surprise just before we leave. Colonel Jeff is here, of course, and he's been great. We, uh, we've become friends. We are good friends. Not just the way people use the word friends of you, you know. Oh, we're friends. Jeff and I, Colonel Jeff and I are friends. And he deserves everything he's gotten from the show. Who knows? Well, we'll work together on a bunch of things. But what he deserves is that I'm promoting him to general. This is something he really deserves. He's been a colonel since the start of the show. And you know what? He deserves this very much. He is now General Jeff and always will be. I'm awfully glad we had a show to give you. And I'm awfully glad you liked it. All of you who participated, all of you just who enjoyed it and loved it, just like the guy in the music box store, it's wonderful to know you. And guess what? Thanks to you, I went clean on podcasting. So thanks. Thanks to the general. And there are just a couple of things I know for sure. Homer is Homer. Pluto is a planet. So remember, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who loves you, folks, the game's over and you've won. And you went clean. Be well. Everyone in your family and everyone in your world. The joke of the week. Okay, and that brings me to my favorite part of the show. A sea beneath the cloudless sun, a mighty, glorious, dazzling sea, stretching into in... Oy. Hang on. <laughs>